Okay, ladies and gentlemen, before we begin this episode of the Main Event Talk Podcast, we've got some breaking news. And if you guys had an opportunity to check out Against All Odds from last night, you know that we do have a brand new Impact Wrestling World Champion. His name is Alex Shelley. And Alex Shelley took on Steve Macklin and defeated him for the championship. Uh, here's, here's a catch here. Um, I saw the match. I didn't exactly see the finish until I found out on Twitter earlier. So, long story on that. So, we're going to cover that. And we're also going to cover the tribute to the Iron Sheik who passed away several days ago. And uh, we're going to have Jim Cornette help us out with that in every way possible. And, of course, I'm going to give my intake on everything else like that. And plus, there are some new championship titles being given to the women in WWE. We'll talk about that. And we'll also talk about the promo exchange that took place between Adam Cole and MJF. Now, while some people decide to edit certain things... The main event will give you the exclusive. The main event talk exclusive. You will hear that full entire, entire exchange between CM Punk, I'm sorry, between MJF and Adam Cole, and you'll see how that goes. And also, an announcement in regard to CM Punk and what's going to take place at Collision. Yes, it's another Tony Khan announcement about AEW Collision happening on Saturday, June 17th, which the main event is looking forward to checking out. Let's start the show, shall we? versus Brock Lesnar 3 as uh, reported by Dave last night on Observer Radio Brock and Cody is taking place at Ford Field that's the next match so won't be at Money in the Bank and uh, it is going to be I have been told something it's not just going to be a straight match they've got some sort of stip that uh, allegedly we have not seen in a while and uh, that, that, to me, means not Hell in a Cell. So I wonder what, uh, what stip they might be coming up with for the uh, third match between these two. I hope it's not Ring of Fire. Can you imagine? That's one I, I don't quit. need to see again. I quit with Brock. Could do I quit with Brock. And it's 1-1 right now? 
Hey, yeah. listen. If they a building into will Brock quit? If they really are trying to get Cody, like you know, the claim is, oh, you know, he uh, it wasn't enough of a journey or whatever, and we got to make this guy big and blah blah blah. I mean, if you do want to do that, if you really do, I mean, he would make Brock Lesnar say, "I quit." Brock Lesnar has never said, "I quit" in his life, and uh, that's certainly what you would do if you were like determined to make Cody the next top guy. I don't know. To me, I would save that one till the Royal Rumble before you make Brock say I quit. That way, Cody's got would have all of the cards leading into a big match at WrestleMania. But then again, maybe we're not going that direction since everybody keeps shoving Solo Roman as a possibility. You know, I, again, whether it's sooner rather than later, I guess we'll see. But by doing the the way they are with with at SummerSlam, Cody and Brock having that match. You'll kind of know by that point whether people are really behind Solo enough if you want to do a push towards the Royal Rumble where he could be a guy that faces off against Roman. Uh, to me, though, again, how long do you go with, with, without giving Cody that win over Roman? Because how long does this journey have to be? We got some good suggestions here. We got Punjabi prison match. Oh, no. We've got that uh, Ken Shamrock uh, Lion's Den match. Lion's Den. Evening gown match. I would bet we probably won't see that one, but hey, you never no. know. No. The Yappa Pie strap match that Hulk Hogan had that one time. Remember that one? Yes. Blindfold match. Oh, God. I could see first blood because uh, I'm sure both of those guys would, uh, you yes. know, do it the safe way where you bang your head into something really hard to uh, get some juice. So anyway, back in a moment more Observer Live. Holy smokes, the chats are a million times better today. You know, you I, say. I saw Disco Inferno on on uh, on Twitter after we we noted that the video was going to go subscriber only on Twitch and YouTube. He goes, "It'll be an echo chamber or something like that." I was like, "Brother, you think that amongst our subscribers there's an echo chamber about anything? Get real." What we did was we eliminated all of the trolls that uh, went on there for free to troll. Now, if you want to troll, you must pay to troll. And uh, as far as everyone who subscribes, it's largely exactly the same as it was before. So really, for the most part, the only complaints were amongst people who weren't paying. So uh, everyone who's paying and has been paying seems quite happy with this change here. Although there were a couple of people that, when I was talking about freeloaders, for some reason, I've noticed this sometimes. I go off on a rant about something, and, uh, and people listen, and they assume I must be talking specifically about them. And uh, that's usually not the case. You know, I'm you remember talking we about... Remember conversation you know, about Brian? Sometimes it's how you say things. Well, apparently I hear that a lot. Like, I say things in a way where everyone thinks I'm talking specifically to them. And I'm not. You have a derisive tone. You I know, mean, it can be you all on, encompassing with your, you know. Here's the thing. You go on that YouTube chat for about five minutes, the old one, when it was free for everybody, yeah. and it should be very abundantly clear exactly who I am talking about. And in fact, you go on the chat right now, and they're all gone, those people. So, anyway. It truly is a cesspool. Live well, not anymore. YouTube it's not comments. anymore. Oh, my God. Yeah, and we remain so on lower. Sports Byline, the Sports Byline app, yeah. where, this, where this show began. The show didn't have video until like 2019. It was it was just all audio.
I love because it when people still yell at us about going to commercial, it's like, do you understand what over-the-air radio is? And well, the thing yeah. is, some of them really don't. <laughs> my heart, don't. my heart, friends. Not I heart, I hate them. My heart yes. is in radio. Damn right. I'm a radio man. Mm-hmm. I... Stole from you know, you know how many years I I stressed over the audio, what people heard when they listened to these shows. I stressed for years. I I did all sorts of things to make the audio great. And then when it was time for video, Tony just came in and put some stuff up. I don't know what any of this stuff is, mm-hmm. and I don't want anyone to start. I don't want to look at it. Remember way back in the day, go. boss man. Way back in the day when uh, we wrung out the love sponge. Remember those days? Yeah, rang Bubba rang got out. really mad at me one time. I don't remember yeah. why. Tried to get the show oh, kicked do. off uh, byline. Yeah. yeah. Shout out to Derek Bergen. It didn't work. Did not. No, no. Is he still around? Yeah, he's on uh, Rich and Shameless with Hulk Hogan looking like a bum, like everybody on that show did. You want to see a show where you like nobody won? Look at Gawker against Hulk Hogan with the Gawker people or Peter Thiel and Bubba, and it's just, oh, God, you can't get away from it. It's like the slimiest stuff in the world, just terrible, pathetic. So we've got a couple of shows coming up. Actually, we'll start with uh, Twitch and WWE since we were talking about Twitch. Two months after the deal was reported, WWE and Twitch have made their partnership official, according to WrestlingObserver.com. WWE issued a press release on Monday announcing that they and Twitch have agreed to a multi-year partnership. The deal will see the return of the official WWE Twitch channel, wrestler channels, and a new, quote, companion sidecast for WWE Raw. This companion sidecast is going to debut on Twitch during Raw tonight. The broadcast begins at 8 Eastern, will bring fans, quote, behind the scenes and closer to the in-ring action. Sounds like, they sounds like Observer Live started? is what that sounds like. Well, didn't they do that when the network started? I think so. The we weekly viewing time. experience will be led by a rotating cast of hosts and will regularly feature appearances by WWE superstars, unique and exclusive content such as backstage interviews and more. The channel will be the home to other live productions, will serve as an alternate live streaming feed for oh, all of boy, WWE's premium live event press conferences maybe we should do press conferences on twitch i hadn't thought of that i might do that actually because you know we got a lot of stuff coming up for subscribers not the least of which is uh, uh june let me get the exact date because you know it's very important don't give june, me one of those oh, june 20th june 20th uh-huh. tuesday june 20th on the brian and Vinny show we will kick off 21 years ago in NWA TNA, we are going back to the asylum years, and Vinny and Craig and the Emmy Award-winning Sean Garrett. That's right. We'll all be watching NWA TNA every single week on the Brian and Vinny Show, and we can't skip because it's got to be 21 years ago in NWA TNA. What other professional wrestling-based website has got two Emmy Award winners working for them? Hmm? Who's the other one? Well, Jim Valley. Oh, that's right. Yeah, golly. Man. He also does Wrestling Observer Live Saturdays at 1, because I know you forget about that. I plug that on every single show. I don't Roddy know about Piper's you. assistant on uh, yesterday. Yes, too. he Gotta did. Louis Rock. One. I remember that's him right. from way back in the day. I knew him before he even hooked up with Roddy. 
He was a wrestler for uh, Tim Flowers. Ronnie's had some now is how interesting a personality is he because believe me I know the Johnny Fair plays and some of the people that have surrounded Roddy Piper from over the years is he a, a more of a normal level-headed man as much as you can be hanging around Piper I'm not sure anybody could be level-headed hanging around Piper but you know what's going on everybody welcome to this very special edition of the main event talk podcast I am the main event player the super secret himself from the tourist come back at you the god among gods the king among kings the coolest son of a motherfucking bitch walking god's green earth and you just heard right there from the wrestling observer about a possibility of a Cody Rhodes versus Brock Lesnar three obviously it's not going to take place at money in the bank which we've talked about before and we know very soon at SummerSlam on August 5th that's when it's going to take place I can guarantee you that right now but we'll probably talk a little bit more about that probably later on in the show or possibly in the next couple of weeks if we can now as i mentioned earlier from the very beginning the breaking news that happened that alex shelley alex shelley a man who was uh who was part of the motor city machine guns he had been a part of impact wrestling for a very very long time I still remember him as a, a young guy back in 2002, 2003. Uh, I, I remember when he didn't know how to wrestle. And, and, I'm, and I'm saying this because this is true. Listen, um, when I first saw Alex Shelley a long time ago, he was a tremendous wrestler. He wasn't as good as he is now. I mean, he, he got a whole lot better as the years go by. And I thought Alex Shelley becoming Impact Wrestling World Champion is something that I felt I think should have been done a long time ago. This was my feeling on him. Alex Shelley, who I always felt him and Chris Saban, uh, they are, honestly, nobody gives these guys, especially the Motor City Machine Guns, enough credit for not only being one of the best tag teams going in professional wrestling today, but also the fact they were one of the true founders, one of the true founders of Impact Wrestling. I mean, when you hear Impact Wrestling, you think of names like AJ Styles, you think of Samoa Joe, you think of Christopher Daniels, the X Division in every way possible. When you think about it, I, I believe if if I'm not mistaken, I think Chris Sabin was the very first X Division champion. If or was it AJ Styles? Oh no, no, no! I'm sorry. He was the one that innovated uh, Ultimate X, Ultimate X, a long, long time ago. And now all of a sudden, uh, and 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 I gotta go ahead and bring this up as well. Chris Sabin is now the new X Division champion, who just defeated Trey Miguel. So, you know, it's incredible that all this is happening. And, and, and especially for not just Chris Saban, who's been, this is what, his sixth or seventh title reign for Impact Wrestling. I mean, Chris Saban is an incredible athlete. Alex Shelley, who I always felt was a very generational talent of his own and someone that when I, when I uh, followed his career... I've always felt that when I, because I heard he was going to NXT, I think he made a brief appearance, maybe a couple of brief appearances, and then that was it. I always felt Alex Shelley should have been, you know, not only a part of NXT, but also he's someone that should have been NXT champion. I, I felt that if he could not be the world champion in Impact Wrestling, he can at least be the NXT champion to at least make him as a world champion in some way, shape, or form. But Alex Shelley is a tremendous talent. Uh, he's held championships all over the world. He's truly one of the... Uh, he's truly a generational talent in his own right and deserves it. Now, 
before we do anything else and get anything crazy to it because there's a little bit more. Uh, and I didn't see this, and I'm getting a chance to check it out right now. If you go over to YouTube, look for Impact Wrestling Channel, and look for something that says, Alex Shelley reacts to winning world championship at Against All Odds. All of this took place last night. I didn't get a chance to see the post-show because, as I, as I mentioned earlier, I was watching the match. I was watching the match between Alex Shelley and uh, Steve Macklin, and my first thought in my head was that Steve Macklin is going to win the championship, and not that not that Alex Shelley doesn't deserve it. I feel he does, but we all kind of know that it's going to happen. And he just won the championship what since Rebellion in around April. We're in June right now, so that'll be almost a month and a half, right, since he's been champion. So. This should be interesting here. So, right now, let's go ahead and begin with this and start with, like I said, if you go to Impact Wrestling channel on YouTube, look for Alex Shelley reacts to winning world championship. This is a post-show right after the match was over. So, this is something extremely special special to check out. So, let's, let's go into the post-show from Against All Odds. And listen to the reaction of Alex Shelley when he won, when he won the Impact Wrestling World Championship. Let's get to it. here on the Against All Off Post Show live on Impact Plus and Impact YouTube in the ring. The Motor City Machine Guns, two new champions here in Columbus, Ohio. without you. You people, every one of you who dropped a single red set on Impact Wrestling, you're the lifeblood of this company. Thank you from the bottom of my heart. No, we don't deserve it. You deserve it. You deserve our best. And that's what you get every time you buy a ticket to Impact Wrestling. The best wrestling on the planet, bar none. If anybody has a problem with that, they can come challenge for this, or they can challenge for It's been a long journey, over 20 years I've had this man by my side. We worked our asses out, cultivating our craft, becoming better and better, because we wanted to be the best that we could possibly be in this business. And I think tonight, we proved it.
Now we've won tag team championships around the world multiple times, but tonight is special. Now yes, I'm a record-breaking nine-time exhibition champion, but tonight is special for this man right here, because this is his first ever Impact World Championship. And I just want to say, my friend, my brother, I'm so proud of you. Congratulations, I love you. moment. This is going to go down as one of the greatest nights in the history of Impact Wrestling. The most impactful tag team in the history of this company. Now, individually, champions, Stephen the Exhibition Champion, Shelly, at long last, the Impact World Champion. You always had to wonder, as Frank Kizera, you see another one of these OG members of this Impact crew who's seen it all, been through it all with these guys right here. There's so much emotion in this, in this moment. And you always had to wonder getting to this scenario, especially after everything Shelly had been through, trying to get there, trying to get to the mountaintop. This tumultuous journey throughout professional wrestling, when he got here, was he going to rise to the moment and he proved to absolutely everyone that he could just a sensational moment for Alex Shelley to become Impact World Champion. And let's not take anything away from Chris Saban. No. Hell of a matchup with Trey Miguel winning the Exhibition Championship for a record ninth time. It is simply astounding. And Saban's been busy cleaning up that title. You're right. You're What's right. Great? Miguel had to face the Exhibition Championship, and Saban has restored it to his previous beauty. I want to take you back to the conclusion of the Impact World title match between Alex Shelley and Steve Macklin. This super kick to the face. Macklin had absorbed so much damage at this point and gone into the exposed turnbuckle multiple times. A situation that Macklin had created. Shelley had shell shock. And look at the shock that, on the face of Alex that's Shelley. That's what I was talking. The look in Alex Shelley's eyes told a story that none of us could ever even fathom to try to tell. That look of just pure, unadulterated emotion was incredible. And now, Tom, now, big news too, we now know our Slammiversary Impact World title match will be Nick Aldis challenging our champion, new champion, Alex Shelley. I cannot wait for that. Saturday, July 15th, live on pay-per-view, Fight TV, and DAZN internationally in Windsor, Ontario, Canada, at the St. Clair College Sportsplex. Shelley versus Aldis for the Impact World title. And of course, that same night, a first-time-ever match of Fiona Perrazzo defends her Knockouts World Championship against Trinity at Slammiversary. Those two successful as tag team partners earlier on tonight, but that's not going to be the case come Slammiversary. I cannot wait to see what happens at Slammiversary, but you've got to tune in on Thursday on Access TV at 8 p.m. Eastern because what is going to be the fallout from this seismic evening here at Against All Odds? I mean, yeah, I feel like we're just getting started as you see the fans here filing out of the Ohio Expo Center here after an incredible, incredible night. But we're, this means now we're on the road to Slammiversary. You know what I mean? It only builds from here to one of our biggest events of the year. you, you got to keep an eye on Impact Wrestling. Trust me. Thank you so much for joining us. We have truly witnessed history this evening here in Columbus, Ohio. For the Drama King, Matthew Raywalt, I'm Tom Hannafin. Thank you so much for tuning in. This has been Against All Odds. Good night, everyone.
And I must go ahead and extend my congratulations to them as well. Big congratulations to Chris Sabin for becoming a nine-time record, nine-time X Division champion. And Alex Shelley, for the first time in his career, is the new Impact World Champion. And, I, I, you know, I got to say, I mean, I'm, I'm still in shock. The fact that, I mean, and, and like I said, I fell asleep in the match because I've been tired as hell. All right. And, uh, and I'm not blaming against all odds for this because I was I went through a lot the past few days and everything. And uh, today was going to be a day. Well, actually, Friday was going to be a day where I can watch Impact Wrestling for a while. I didn't get a chance to watch it until I saw I didn't see Smackdown, just to let everybody know. But I know what happened, which we will talk about later. But I want to focus on Impact Wrestling for a moment. So um, I wanted to walk in here and I get a chance to watch the Impact World Championship. And my first thought was Alex Shelley versus um, Steve Macklin, who was the champion at the time. And I, and, and with all due respect, and, and I'm not saying that Alex Shelley doesn't deserve to be Impact World Champion. He doesn't deserve to be in the same level as others that have come before him. But I never really saw him as world champion. And, and this is no disrespect to him. It's just that we weren't sure. We weren't sure because especially when you think about it, everyone has their predictions, their thoughts, how how they think it's going to be and everything, you know. And when you immediately see this individual and, and let's be honest, you look at Alex Shelley, who's won championships all over the world. You can never quite see him win a WWE championship or an Impact Wrestling World Championship or an NWA or AEW or any type of world championship that you see because you don't see it. You don't see it. Even I admit that I didn't see it. But from the moment I found out that he became the champion, now you see it. And now it's like, oh my God, you know? And the look, and I saw the what they showed on there on YouTube. The look on Alex Shelley's face tells the entire story. And I was very happy when that happened. And and let's be honest, uh, Steve Macklin, in my in my view, was a good champion. But he, uh, and uh, I think I may have said this before, and I'll say it again, he's not ready to be in that limelight yet. He's not ready to be that world champion just yet. Maybe another another year from now, but since he's gotten a taste of the gold, maybe sometime in the near future, maybe, who knows, he may regain the championship in the next couple of weeks, or maybe until after Slammiversary, who knows, which, not, now that we're thinking about Slammiversary right now, because uh, I don't have the, my laptop computer on me, I'll, uh, you know what, as a matter of fact, uh, let me go ahead and set up my computer so we can find out the results of all the matches that took place against all odds but also to kind of go ahead and go forward with this one because now we know that there are going to be not one but two matches to take place over at impact wrestling slammiversary which is going to take place on july 15th now just before we talk about that july 15th will be the fourth that's right the fourth fourth anniversary of the Main Event Talk podcast when it debuted back in 2019. So this will be the fourth anniversary show. Uh, I believe it's the third, but I think it's the fourth anniversary show. So the Main Event is going to be looking forward to putting all of that together and everything. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be certainly looking forward to seeing what I'm going to put together and everything else like that. Uh, it's going to be a two-part episode. Uh, usually the anniversary starts around my birthday, which is on the 16th, right? 
and uh, the 16th of July, to be exact. So there'll be a two-part episode. One is going to happen on Friday, and another is going to happen on Saturday. And I'm going to start my birthday weekend around that time, so you'll be able to hear some of the stuff that happens on the podcast. Now, I am going to watch Slammiversary... Uh, definitely watch Slammiversary around the weekend of my birthday because I want to check it out. I want to see a couple of matches that, are, that have already been announced. One match that was announced first, and I think this took place last week, and it is going to happen. I believe it's too soon, but I think it's too big not to have at Slammiversary. For the Knockout Women's World Championship, Deanna Perrazzo will be defending her championship against the number one contender in... Trinity, and yes, so most of you guys that know who Trinity is know that she is Naomi, and she is a former SmackDown Women's Champion, a former Tag Team Champion, and someone that I felt deserved more than just those championships, in my opinion, but she is learning a lot more than expected, she's going to have a tremendous match against uh, Deanna Perrazzo. And plus, keep in mind, these two do know each other, especially in their days of WWE. I mean, Deanna Perrazzo was a part of NXT for a while until she left and came over, or she was released, I'm sorry, and was brought over to Impact Wrestling. So there's a little bit of history right there. They were just tag team partners uh, at Against All Odds um, last night, as they said. So we'll, we'll get the results for that in a moment. Now, the next matchup, and we just heard it right here on the... Um, the Against All Odds um, post-show, since Alex Shelley is now the champion, Alex Shelley is the new Impact Wrestling World Champion, he will be defending his championship against the national treasure himself, the former longest-reigning NWA World Heavyweight Champion, Nick Aldis. He's going to be going one on, and that's going to be a good match in itself. And when you think about that, think about this for a moment. And, and let's bring this up from the perspective here. You have Alex Shelley, who's a tag team, who's a tag team competitor, who's won championships all over the world and is, has won his first major singles gold in Impact Wrestling by winning the Impact Wrestling World Championship. And he's going up against a man that not only knows what it's like to be a world champion, but he's held many championships along the way as well. So Nick Aldis and Alex Shelley at Slammiversary on July 15th is going to be an, a damn well good matchup because you've got two, two veterans of the squared circle. Uh, some people would say that these are two young talents, but when you think about it, uh, Alex Shelley is, well, he's, well he, looks, he looks pretty young for his age and everything, but he is still a great talent, and he's a veteran in so many ways. Nick Aldis the same way, former world champion, was young at the time, um, and now he has an opportunity to win the Impact Wrestling World Championship and everything. So this is going to be an epic. It's going to be a classic matchup of two tremendous superstars competing for the Impact World Championship. Both matches will take place at Slammiversary on July 16th, on July 15th, which will happen on Saturday, July 15th, which will be the beginning of which will be the beginning of uh, the main event talks uh, fourth anniversary show. So the main event's going to be looking forward to putting that together and everything. So let's see if we can get into the uh, impacts against all odds, if we can find it. 
Not that one. There's Impact Wrestling here. Okay, let's look for Against All Odds 2023. Here we go. Okay, let's go to the Wikipedia page so we can look into what we need to do and everything else like that. Okay, so this is the event right here. Uh, I thought I thought this took place over on Ontario, but I guess that's going to be where Slammiversary is going to take place. So uh, it took place over in Columbus, Ohio. Uh, let's see, I see where the arena, the fairgrounds, uh, a state fairground, and everything. So those are the matches that happened there. So let's look into. There was a total of ten matches. Ten matches. It took place over at Impact Wrestling's Against All Odds. So let's look into the results of all of these matches that happened. I'll probably get a chance to look at the countdown show when I have the opportunity, but I've not had a chance, but I want to give you the results. The first two matches took place on the countdown show. Kellen King with Taylor Wilde defeated... Uh, Nevasay? Neva, is that, is that who it is? It's Neva. Neva, okay, well, here's how it's spelled. N-E-V-A-E-H. Neva, I think that's what it is. Well, anyways, Killing, Killing King defeated, um, uh, whatever her name is, I'm sorry. Uh, let's see, singles match for the Impact World. Uh, the Impact Digital Media Championship, Joe Henry defeated... Dirty Dango, once again, that is the second, quote, second, quote, second time that that took place. And I believe the beginning of the show started with Frankie Kazarian defeating Eddie Edwards. Um, probably a tremendous match there. Uh, let's see, tag team match for the Impact Wrestling World Tag Team Championships. The ABC of Ace Austin and Chris Bay defeated the good hands of Jason Hotch and John Schuyler with Brian Myers in their corner. Interesting there, huh? Let's see. Um, dog Ooh, this is interesting. A dog collar match between uh, Masha Slamovich, who defeated Killer Kelly. Ooh. Man, I would have loved to have seen that matchup. And uh, there is some sort of a a debate as to whether or not we're going to see a dog collar match between Brock Lesnar and Cody Rhodes, but that will be a discussion for another day. We'll talk about that when we can. Next matchup here. Uh, we just talked about this a moment ago. Chris Sabin defeated Trey Miguel to become a nine-time Impact X Division champion. Congratulations go out to him. <sighs> Let me see what this one is. This one's... Uh... Hmm, this is strange. It says here, 8 minus 4 minus 1 match to determine a number one contender for the Impact World Championship. Now, um, let me see if I'm reading this correctly here because I'm looking at this right here. Uh, Eight-man tag match. Uh, and, well, there's uh, several opponents in here. Uh, phase two is a four-way. Oh, wait a minute. I get it. I get it. I see what it is. So, let's see. Ray Gresham, Heath, and Nick Aldis 
would have to beat the team of Bailey, Moose, PCO, and Swan. So, Ray, Gresham, Heath, and Aldis win, and they move on to Phase 2, which is a fatal four-way match, where Nick Aldis defeated Ray, Heath, and Gresham via submission. Okay, I see what they did. Okay, so I believe it's some sort of, um, and I'm starting to get this, where say you get a team of eight, a team of four, to take on a team of four in an eight-man tag, right? And then whoever loses in the eight-man tag will be eliminated, and the remaining four will have to face off against each other, and the winner will become the number one contender to take on the Impact Wrestling World Champion, which that was Nick Aldis, so he won that match. Oh, well, it's kind of tough. I mean, it wasn't that confusing, but, you know, it's interesting how that went down. So Nick Aldis has an opportunity to um, go after the new champion, which we will talk about in a moment. Trinity and Deanna Perrazzo defeated Glizel Shaw and Savannah Evans. Uh, Ohio Street Fight, the OVE of Sammy Callahan, Jake Christ and Madman Fulton defeating The Design. And then, of course, Alex Shelley defeating Steve Macklin for the Impact World Championship. Big congratulations go out to uh, Alex Shelley for winning the Impact World Championship, defeating Steve Macklin. And now we know what's going to happen to Slammiversary, as we talked about. The Knockouts Championship will be on the line as Deanna Perrazzo will defend her championship against Trinity. While the Impact Wrestling World Championship, Alex Shelley will be defending the championship against Nick Aldis, the National Treasure. And in the next few weeks to come, we are on Saturday, June 10th right now. We've only got one month until we get to Slammiversary. And the main event cannot wait for that and everything else like that. Of course, Slammiversary will take place live on pay-per-view. Check it out on Saturday, July the 15th. It will be on the weekend of the main event's birthday. It will be the weekend of the fourth anniversary of the main event talk podcast. We're going to cover all that and much, much more. Impact Wrestling is starting to look good. And I can't wait to check out Slammiversary as it happens on Saturday, July the 15th.
can't believe I didn't fall right down on my face. I was confused. Looking everywhere only to find that it's not the way I had imagined it all in my mind. So what am I? What do I have but negativity? Cause I can't justify the way everyone is looking at me. Nothing to lose. at the main event 1977 at gmail.com that's the main event 1977 at gmail.com and whatever question you have the main event will be glad to put it right here on the main event talk podcast and it could be any question that you want to ask that's the main event 1977 at gmail.com one more time the main event 1977 at gmail.com and you'll hear it right here on the Main Event Talk Podcast. Arcadian Vanguard presents The Wrestling News in your daily wrestling newscast for Saturday, June 10th, 2023. Good morning, I'm Mike Sempervivi. We begin today with last night's WWE SmackDown broadcast live on Fox from the Wells Fargo Center in Des Moines, Iowa. In the main event, United States Champion Austin Theory successfully defended the title against Jay Uso. Jimmy Uso had attempted to save his brother from an attack by Pretty Deadly during the match, but miscommunication led to Jimmy accidentally superkicking Jay. Jimmy! 
Earlier in the show, Adam Pearce presented Asuka with a brand new championship, seeming to phase out the Raw Women's Championship in favor of what was referred to as the WWE Women's Championship. What this means for the status of Rhea Ripley's SmackDown Women's title was not addressed. On behalf of WWE, it is my pleasure to present this, the brand new WWE Women's Championship. Following the belt presentation, Charlotte Flair emerged to issue a challenge to Asuka. In Money in the Bank qualifying matches, Io Sky defeated Shotzi, Santos Escobar beat Mustafa Ali, Butch pinned Baron Corbin, after which Corbin was laid out by Cameron Grimes, and Bailey pinned Mia Yim. Karrion Cross attacked AJ Styles, who was at ringside on commentary for Yim's match. Also on the show, NXT Women's Tag Team Champions Isla Dawn and Alba Fire accepted the challenge of WWE Women's Tag Team Champions Ronda Rousey and Shayna Baszler for a title unification match. All Elite Wrestling presented AEW Rampage last night on TNT featuring matches taped last Wednesday at the Broadmoor World Arena in Colorado Springs, Colorado. In the main event, Sky Blue won a four-way match over Nyla Rose, Britt Baker, and Mercedes Martinez to earn a shot at Tony Storm's AEW Women's World title next Wednesday on Dynamite. In the opening match, the Lucha Brothers and Bandito beat Lee Moriarty, Big Bill, and Ethan Page in another six-man when Bandito pinned Page, thanks in part to a distraction from the Hardy Boys. In other results, the acclaimed and Billy Gunn won a six-man tag team match over Serpentico, Angelico, and Luther, and Powerhouse Hobbs logged a quick win over Caleb Crush. Impact Wrestling presented the 12th annual edition of Against All Odds last night on pay-per-view live from the Ohio Expo Center in Columbus, Ohio. In the main event, Alex Shelley defeated Steve Macklin in 22 minutes and 41 seconds to become the new Impact World Champion. The loss ended Macklin's championship reign at 54 days. This was his third defense of the title. In the night's other title change, Chris Saban walked away with a record-setting ninth X-Division championship, defeating Trey Miguel in 13 minutes and 12 seconds. The win made Saban X-Division champ for the first time since 2014. Nick Aldis emerged victorious from an eight-man elimination match to become number one contender to the Impact World Championship. He is scheduled to challenge new champion Shelley next month at Slammiversary. Aldis spoke about the victory after the match. I did exactly what I said I was going to do. The mark of a true professional and a champion is calling your shot. And like I said before, I don't make a lot of guarantees, but I did make a guarantee that I would win that 8-4-1 and I would become the number one contender because I'll let you in on a little secret. I've already decided that I'm winning the Impact World Championship at Slammiversary. I've already put it out into the universe. Also on the show, Ace Austin and Chris Bay successfully defended the Impact World Tag Team title against the Good Hands. In other results, Knockouts World Champion Deanna Perrazzo and Trinity defeated Giselle Shaw and Savannah Evans. Masha Slamovich beat Killer Kelly in a dog collar match. Frankie Kazarian went over Eddie Edwards. 
and in a six-man tag, the team of Jake Chris, Sammy Callahan, and Madman Fulton defeated the design. And in news from outside the ring, NBC has canceled Young Rock after three seasons, according to an official network announcement made yesterday. The sitcom, which chronicled the early years of Dwayne The Rock Johnson from childhood through his early wrestling career, had its final episode in February. The show had experienced a steadily dwindling audience, losing more than half its original viewership between season one and season three. Johnson had served as executive producer for the show along with his ex-wife and business partner Danny Garcia, former WWE writer Brian Gerwitz, and others. And before we leave you today, we'd like to remind you that however you consume your content, you can find the wrestling news 24 hours a day and 7 days a week across social media. On Twitter, follow us at Wrestling News AV. Our Facebook page is also Wrestling News AV. The Wrestling News can also be found on the Arcadian Vanguard YouTube page. And for those who utilize Amazon Echo devices, just tell Alexa to play the Wrestling News podcast. And remember to make sure you add podcast at the end. Once again, for daily updates, breaking news, and more, follow the Wrestling News across social media. And that's the news for today. If anything happens, we will be here to tell you about it. No clickbait, no paywall. Just the Wrestling News. The Wrestling News is a division of Arcadian Vanguard, and the Wrestling Newscast is a production of the Arcadian Vanguard Podcast Network. And thank you very much for the Wrestling News, Mike Sempervini. Of course, you can get a chance to check out the wrestling of uh, the wrestling news as it happens every single week. So subscribe to the wrestling news on the Arcadian Vanguard Podcast Network and get a chance to listen to all the latest wrestling news going on in the world of professional wrestling. Everything from Impact Wrestling to AEW to the WWE. NWA and so much more out there. There's a lot of stuff that's going to be happening in the next few weeks happening in the month of June. So thank you very much for that. So uh, let me go ahead and discuss with what they had just mentioned earlier about what had happened with um, Asuka is now presented with a new WWE Women's Championship and in all fairness, uh, I got to agree with that call. I got to agree with that call in certain ways because when you think about this, they have not done the belt exchange yet. But now there's good reason to not do the belt exchange. Now, let's explain why. You see, before, when they wanted to swap belts, I thought it was the stupidest idea they could have ever come up with. If there was a way to at least switch the switch women back to their perspective brands i mean that would have made much better sense than anything else but in this case i think it was better that oscar had changed the raw women's championship and turned it to the wwe women's championship which is great so now if that's the case then this means that Rhea Ripley is probably going to have herself and other people are starting to get the idea now that Rhea Ripley will probably have her own version uh, of a women's world championship. So instead of it being called the SmackDown Women's Championship 
or it being called the Women's Championship. It'll probably be called the Women's World Championship, which I think, and I think a lot of other people can agree, that that is a better way to present Rhea Ripley now. So no longer will we have to have a SmackDown or Raw Women's Championship. So those days are pretty much long gone, and it makes much more sense. And it solves the problem. It solves the problem of who is what. And unfortunately, I know some people are not liking the idea that there are two women's world champions. Personally, it should be one in many ways possible. I think so too. But, you know, when you think about it, I think this is the better deal. It's the better call. And there and there's really no other way of doing it. So now we don't have to worry about why a Raw Women's Championship is on SmackDown and why a SmackDown Women's Championship is on Raw. You know, we don't have to worry about that anymore. So that pretty much solves the problem for that. Now, to talk a little bit more about WWE, we know that, uh, let's see, we know that Money in the Bank is coming up soon. There have been several qualifying matches to take place there. We don't know what the matches are. We haven't had anything set up just yet. We know that um, on July 1st, on Saturday, July 1st, it will be Money in the Bank. The main event will definitely have an opportunity to look at that and everything else like that. I just found out that I'm going ha- to have myself a four-day weekend. And here's why. Because uh, July 1st and July 2nd will happen on the weekend, while July 3rd and July 4th will come along here. Uh, I seriously doubt that I'm going to try to come in on the 3rd because, you know, with the 4th of July being a day off, I'll be able to have, you know, the 3rd and the 4th. Well, actually, just to kind of make sense of what I'm trying to say here, the 3rd of July was going to be considered a work day, right? But then I would have to be off on Tuesday and then come back to work on Wednesday. So I figured, why not just go ahead and have the third of Monday off and have Saturday, Sunday, Monday, and Tuesday and have it a four-day weekend and come back to work on Wednesday. Simple as that, right? It works out perfectly. You can shoot the cows in the ass with a foregone conclusion with that shit. Oh, man. But yeah, that's what's going to happen. So Money in the Bank is going to happen on July 1st. Uh, there has not been any matches announced yet, but there have been sev- several qualifying matches that are happening. So <clears throat> we know about what's going to happen there. Now, NXT, and let me bring up this as well, because I know some people have asked me about what my thoughts are of having Mustafa Ali show up over there, Baron Corbin showing up over there, uh, Br- Dana Brooke showing up over there. I think it's good that the free agents that are there can show up in any other brand and I think it's and I think it's good to see them over in NXT cuz that way we could see something of a star that used to formerly be in NXT now a big star in Raw SmackDown now bring them back over to NXT not that they're demonium I don't think that's what what it should be uh, what it should be is someone that used to be a big star in NXT is now a big star in the main roster should come back you know to help out the younger talent which is a better idea uh, I don't mind having to see Baron Corbin take on Carmelo Hayes. I think that would be great. Uh, I don't have a problem with Mustafa Ali taking on Wesley for the North American Championship. Although I would personally like to see him, I mean, especially, and let's call it like we see it. I think Mustafa Ali should be the champion. And I think Mustafa Ali 
can beat Wesley. Wesley has had a very long title run so far, and by October, in the next few months, he will have the longest reigning North American championship in the history of NXT, which I think will be great, but we'll have to wait and see how far this is going to go out. <clears throat> so we know that the Great American Bash is going to happen on July 30th. It's going to take place over in Cedar, uh, Cedar Park in Texas. So... I'm going to be looking forward. That's going to be on a... I think it's on a Saturday, but let me check if I'm not mistaken. Uh, just kind of going through some check work and everything. Let's see. We are in here, right? No, wait. July 3rd is on a Sunday. Damn you. Damn you to hell. <laughs> Crap. I was hoping for... I was hoping for that and everything else like that, but that's not going to take that's not going to take place. Uh. Okay, so I must apologize for that little uh, recording error that took place right there. So apparently, when I was looking through my apps on my phone, all of a sudden, I think something just cut off, and I was like, "Oh crap!" And I noticed the recording had stopped from there. But I wasn't gonna I wasn't gonna do a record or uh, another repeat and everything else like that. I was just gonna continue off where I left off. So. So it is on July 30th uh, for the NXT's Great American Bash. I'm definitely going to be checking that out and everything. So we're going to see how that rolls. Uh, now, also, let's see. Um, I'm trying to look at other things. Uh, they had mentioned Cody Rhodes versus Brock Lesnar. Um, I believe I heard SummerSlam. I don't think it's going to take place at Money in the Bank. I know some people have asked me, do you see Cody entering Money in the Bank? Honestly... At first, originally, at first, originally, I thought he was. But I think what Cody's going to do is he's going to have his match with Brock Lesnar. It's going to happen somewhere down the road. He's not going to have an opportunity at the Money in the Bank, which I would love for him to win it. But I think some people don't want him to be Money in the Bank. I think uh, there's a lot of people that really want L.A. Knight to become Money in the Bank, which I think should happen. You know, I mean, uh, L.A. Knight becoming money in the bank and L.A. Knight winning. I don't see him winning the world, the WWE uh, Universal Championship, but I do definitely see him winning the WWE World Heavyweight Championship, which I think he deserves that. And I think a lot of people would like to see that. If you think about this extremely close. L.A. Knight, I have followed his career when he was known as Eli Drake. And I think with uh, <clears throat> him, you know, people are starting to notice him right now. And, and, and this is also something else to think about. And this is something I think should happen since L.A. Knight's on SmackDown. If he were to win Money in the Bank... You know how you turn you know how you turn Eli Drake back into a baby face? You know how you pull that off? You get Austin Theory to take on LA Knight for the United States Championship at SummerSlam. Just just think about that for a moment. I think I know some people think, oh, well, that'd be bad. I mean, you don't want to, you don't want that to happen with Austin Theory. Well, I think Austin Theory needs to give up that title now. And I think we need to see that title around LA Knight's waist. Because what if things don't work out and he doesn't become the world champion? What if it doesn't happen? Because you need a secondary plan. 
you need a secondary plan for someone like an L.A. Knight. And I think, personally, L.A. Knight should be the next World Heavyweight Champion. But if it doesn't go as planned, you could always go after the secondary title, which would be the United States title. And I think it would be great. It would be great if L.A. Knight were to become the next United States Champion. I would love to see that happen. But however it goes, either way possible, it's going to be great. So... We'll have to see what happens in the next couple of weeks coming up. Checking out Money in the Bank as it happens on July 1st. SummerSlam to take place on July the... Th- uh, I'm sorry, uh, on August the 5th. NXT having uh, the Great American Bass on July the 30th. There's going to be a lot of big events happening in the next couple of weeks with the WWE. And it's looking good every single time. Of course, you can check out WWE Monday Night Raw every single Monday night, NXT on Tuesdays, and SmackDown on Friday nights. Everything WWE. There's a lot of stuff we're going to be checking out, and the main event cannot wait to look at all of those as it happens and the big events that are going to be happening in the next couple of weeks. Now, there is one piece of business that I want to go ahead and get out of the way. And I know some people, um, I think I mentioned this at the very beginning of the, pro- uh, of the program. And I'd like to go ahead and talk about this when we can. So, <clears throat> with that being said, uh, I know that some people heard about this a few days ago. And I wanted to go ahead and bring this up. Uh, we know that, uh, I believe it was a few days ago. Thursday to be exact, I think um, we heard that the Iron Sheik had passed away at the age of 81. And I got to say, guys, um, you know, from from the moment, from the moment I heard about the uh, Sheik's passing, uh, it was just one of those things where it was a matter of time, you know. And not that I'm saying that he should pass away now. Uh, I was always a fan of um, I was always a fan of um, of the Iron Sheik and everything. The problem was was that it was only going to be a matter of time before his passing were to take place. You know what I'm saying? And you know, we know he had several health issues. We know that he says a lot of things on on uh, Twitter and everything else like that, which he still does. Well, he doesn't do it anymore, but. Uh, he still does a lot of these things that you see on Twitter and everything. He is not a controversial figure, but he's definitely a figure that everyone has been um, uh, looking into and stuff. So it's, <coughs> I'm sorry, it's just sad about how all this went down and everything. So with that being said, let's look into the history of sorry um i was <laughs> i was trying to look for something and there it is okay cool there it is that's what i was looking for right here so with that being said guys let's go ahead and look into the history as we pay tribute to the memory of the iron sheik let's take a look from tehran iran Having grown up in Iran, the Iron Sheik was as tough as they came. They know that country by two things. 
oil and wrestling, toughest, roughest sport in the world. An amateur wrestling champion for the Iranian National Army, before transitioning into sports entertainment. By channeling political tension for his homeland, Sheik quickly built a career as one of the most despised ring villains of his era. He was, as advertised, an Iranian wrestler who had wrestled for that country in the Olympics. He didn't really have to say anything, just walk into a room with a flag and his look and his boots. There was a lot of times I feared for Ryan Sheik to all be the most uh, hated wrestler of all time. Cameraman Zuma! With an impressive physique and brute strength, greatest wrestler I've ever managed. Sheik's devastating camel clutch dismantled his opponents. And in 1983, the Iron Sheik shocked the world. With one of the most iconic title wins in WWE history. They know I'm the real Olympic champion, now I'm the world heavyweight champion. Becoming the first Iranian born WWE champion. Sheik's ability to elicit strong emotions from fans was instrumental to WWE's skyrocketing popularity during the 1980s. You act like you spit on America, you have press buttons. Sheik's impact and notoriety are undeniable. And in 2005, he was immortalized into the WWE Hall of Fame. God bless all my wrestling fans and have a good day. Yeah! From his captivating persona to his unparalleled charisma, Iron Sheik's legacy is the ability to be a great bad guy. He maintains popularity because he was so good at what he did. The Iron Sheik's legendary career has earned him a special place in the hearts of fans worldwide. Thank you for the memories and thank you for paving the way. Iron Sheik, you are a legend. You will be missed, but never forgotten. Everything is Tuesday, feeling light and groovy. Well, we got bad news to start the program out. When we just sat down, literally, I informed you of this breaking news as we sat down to record this program, and we immediately had to throw out all the plans that we didn't make for what we were going to talk about. Because we usually fly by the seat of our pants anyway, but in this case, we just heard the news that uh, the Iron Sheet passed away. It was announced about 20 minutes ago as we sit here. Yeah, I mean, he hasn't looked well in a while, and he's an older guy. I mean, that's the other thing. Everyone always talks about the wild life he had. He's not a young guy. I mean, he's an older guy, and... I believe was he? he's 80, or was 82, right? Because we just did the... the uh, talked about the biography special they did on him just here recently, so pardon us if we repeat anything or whatever, but in this different context... But I think he was early 80s, correct? I believe so. And again, whatever partying he did out of the equation, a lot of bumps, he had a life. I mean, to live to be 82 is pretty miraculous, actually. 
Yeah, well, and not only that, but we talked about, again, when we watched the biography episode, he was a high-level athlete in a competitive sport that wrestling that causes injuries before he turned pro, and he turned pro in his 30s. So he had a lot of miles on that body, but that's what we were mentioning. You know, we talked about it, his earlier career in pro wrestling people have forgotten what a badass athlete he was because you know by the time that the national expansion happened he was in his early 40s when he you know worked with hogan and even though he was still pretty stout then as they say when he was younger and was still moving and before any kind of injuries and a little bit lighter weight and the wwf you know road style didn't catch up with him he was doing when he came to Tennessee in 82, you know, the double arm suplexes, the gut wrenches, stuff from the amateur background. And it was cool that the Sheik, Farhat, was obviously he was not a high level, you know, Olympic level amateur wrestler. So when he did his gimmick, it was all crazy and all wild. And there weren't any suplexes and, you know, goddamn, you know, technical wrestling thrown in there. But with the Iron Sheik, and you remember seeing the the Mid-Atlantic videos especially. Yeah. He was a badass Brock Lesnar level amateur doing these suplexes that weren't common at the time. Most people didn't do them. And all these amateur throws and at the same time was doing the crazy sheep gimmick where he was throwing the fireball and pulling a butcher knife literally out of his fucking boot and sawing on guys' heads. So it was, if you believed that that, and also because of his personality, you believed that he was, had a fucking screw loose and was dangerous. He had that aura to him. And a lot of these things are somewhat commonplace now like a gut wrench suplex into a power bomb but he was one of the first guys in a national stage to do the gut wrench suplex and put well, it out there you know not only was it legitimately an amateur move and honestly that's uh that was the finish that paul orndorff used in 77 in tennessee when he was a rookie because it was more of an amateur type thing he could get that right and he wasn't used to working yet. And and the same thing with the Sheik. He was strong enough to... Because remember, the guys across the board were larger in those days than they are now. And he could... He was like one of the Steiners. He could put anybody up and where he wanted them to go and put them down in the same place. So it was, you know, again, it was like this fucking guy is crazy. And if it... There was very little comedy, but he could, and, and that's, again, ironic, considering his, you know, later career and the WWF style, but he was crazy, and he was badass, and you could be scared of the guy in his early years as Hossein Arab and the great Hossein and finally the Iron Sheik. But then... It, the thing is, again, like the Bushwhackers and the Sheep Herders, he made more money than he'd ever seen in his life later on when he was 50 as a a funny guy with a big belly waving the flag around and going hakapatui. 
Yeah, you know, he was one of the first wrestlers I ever knew of because of that cartoon and because of that action figure. You know, I knew of him before I ever watched him. So when yeah. I did see him, I felt like I already knew who he was. I knew what side he was on. I knew who he was kind of friends with. Even on the show, him and Nikolai were kind of hanging out. <laughs> I had the figure. Hulk Hogan needed an enemy. There it was. Andre needed a guy to wrestle. It was either the Iron Sheik or Big John Stud. He was one of the first wrestlers I ever knew. Well, and the thing is, also, he's in an exclusive club as far as... We've, we've done retrospectives on the various, uh, you know, promotional methods of the McMahon Senior and Junior. But in, what, a 40-plus year period, really, neither McMahon kept or had a heel featured as their top guy, as their world champion... More than three weeks, except for Rogers and Billy Graham for Rogers for what? Maybe a year and a half. Graham for ten months. Well, Rogers, it's a it's a tough. And debate. that was that was yeah. a whole different. Yeah. Well, in actuality, he wasn't even advertised because of New York Athletic Commission rules as the world champion for some of the time that he was working in new york and that was a whole different animal well again well not to go too far into this but when he started working pretty exclusively for just vince and kohler and then just vince and toots he was the nwa champion they got the belt off him but they didn't acknowledge that title change everywhere in right. vince's territory so they didn't actually acknowledge the wwf as a thing for a while he was world champion just a brief period of time and then they got it to bruno and who knows what was really going on behind the scenes we could all still ruminate on that right and i and i love the the combination of vince and toots uh but well and also with rogers if the heart problem had not come up and he dropped it to bruno that quickly he would he have run longer with it nobody knows it's lost to history but nevertheless in the next 30 years graham at 10 months was the top heel champion and then you had the transitional guys Ivan Koloff for, what, three weeks in 71. Stan Stajak for nine days at the end of 73. And that was just to go from Bruno to Koloff to Pedro, and then from Pedro back to Bruno through Stajak. And Vince Jr. did the same thing 10 years later when he it took over, had full control, had, had decided what he was going to do. Got to get rid of Backland. So... The Iron Sheik is perfect because not of the fact that the Iron Sheik was the perfect heel to beat Bob Backlund. The Iron Sheik was the perfect heel to lose to Hulk Hogan. The, you know, the American hero that he's building against the, you know, Iranian menace and or Iraqi. Goddamn. Iranian. Iranian. It was we were mad at Iran then. Yeah, he became an Iraqi sympathizer yeah. in 91. He was the Iraqi sympathizer when we got mad at them. But nevertheless, and also Kashyyyk was with that personality and that look and that gimmick, which even if by now, as I said, he's in his 40s, he can't go like he could when he was younger, when he was legitimately, you know, a world-class amateur. But Vince didn't care about that anyway. He, you know, Sheik wasn't going in to get over in mid in mid Atlantic or mid South anymore. He had done that. And he's going to get over in New York, and Vince wants the gimmick and the personality, and he's the perfect guy for that spot. And that's why, you know, again, 
he was so memorable. He only had the belt for what? What was it? Was it two weeks, three weeks, whatever? Uh, three weeks, a month, somewhere in there. Yeah, but but people remembered that whole exchange to the point where he was able. I mean, Ivan Koloff had a great career off of his run, and Stan Stajak to a lesser extent, but the Sheik became one of the biggest stars in the business just for being able to be there and and drop the belt to Hogan. And when you look at the other options, he was the best one. I know Billy Eadie has said that he thought he was going to be the guy, or he was told that. I forget exactly what he says, but he's alluded to it. Man, Superstar would have been an option. Don Morocco would have been an option. Mike Sharp was a heel there. (laughs) Sergeant Slaughter. And the other option would have been a heel Bob Backlund, which wasn't going to happen. And if it had happened, it would have been rushed to get Hogan the belt in January. And Hogan was promised the belt to come in. So... Yeah, all and, those and options, all, the Iron Sheik all due respect, the all due respect to Bill Idiot. Again, it wasn't about who was the best one to take the belt off Backlund and end his five-year reign. Uh, it was who was best to put Hogan over because Vince knew that's what he was doing. And I'm not saying that Bill Eady couldn't have had a better match to put him over as far as, wow, look at all those, all of the things that Hogan did to him. But it wouldn't have been... It would have been Hulk Hogan beating that masked superstar from Parts Unknown, boy, with the instead of a goddamn person we're potentially going to be at war with. It was, the, you know, the American hero. The only other one I think could have possibly worked, because it could have been interesting, is Ivan Koloff, because he was there. He had already beaten Bruno. So now you can say that Hogan not only beat the Russian menace at the height of... Russia-U.S. tensions, the Olympics about to happen. And he beat the guy that beat Bruno, and he's now the world champion. And the guy who beat Backlund. Yeah, but, well, where was... Ivan was working for... For Vince? No. He was finishing up. He was there in November. Was he there, was he there then? I gotta see if he was there in December, but he was definitely there in November. I think he was there in December. How long had he been there? I thought he was already in, in uh, Charlotte. Well, never. I've I've lost track of his booking book there for '83. But anyway, uh, but then the the modern chic, the Iron Sheik, you know, began as far as the, you know, what we know of him today and the the outlandish personality and the cartoons and the ice cream bars and the whole nine yards. And we've told the story that he was one of the first set of what four or six action figures and got like eighty grand for a quarter back in those days. That was almost 40 years ago. Because um, as you mentioned, they had to have the kids with the Hogan figure had to have somebody for Hogan to beat up. And I think they've estimated, and I don't know if there's a uh, an exact amount, but I got to think that they made, you know, at least... I, I can double check, actually, how many units they think they made. And again, there were only five options to start. Hogan, Andre, Snuka, John Studd. Iron Sheik. Eventually they introduced Nikolai and then Piper and Junkyard Dog and everyone, but that was the initial five. And if you bought one, you needed two. And so, again, since there were basically no action figures, you know, you had a million kids with these fucking figures. hi yeah, yeah, but... Uh, it's estimated that there were 800 to 900,000... Iron Sheik figures made, including the tag team sets later on with Nikolai Volkov. That's almost as many action figures as I've sold over the last couple of years. 
You have a better overhead, too, than this. Well, that's true. I do keep costs down. Feather bottoms work cheaper than those folks up in Stanford in the office. But anyway, so I guess, um, again, being in his early 80s, people would say, oh, geez, you know, it hadn't been that long ago. And that's why I mentioned that he started late. Can you imagine if he'd have gotten out of Iran and and come to the United States and got into the wrestling business earlier? Let's say if he started when people mostly usually start, let's say right after college at 22, that would have been instead of starting in what, 72 with that Burns training camp or 73, he would have broken into business somewhere around 1960. And can you imagine if he'd have been a pro for 25 years already before he even got to the, the you know, uh, modern WWF era? That would have been fucking wild. Him and Danny Hodge would have been going at it for years. Oh, my God. You know what that and and here's the thing because remember we talked about Ali Vaziri, his original name and gimmick. He was 218 pounds and had the washboard ab stomach and hair, some hair, not a full head. But you know that a guy like that, I think, did he even he worked a little bit for Leroy McGurk, didn't he? In between, yeah, I think so. Absolutely, breaking in for Vern, he went there. He went to Tennessee and a couple of other places just as a preliminary guy but McGurk would have been all over that a junior heavyweight shooter that's Olympic level credentials and Danny Hodge is the top and he's Iranian and Danny Hodge is the top guy in my territory the most famous junior heavy or light heavyweight or whatever wrestler in United States history that would have been so they would have been and as a matter of fact, if uh, just while we're still supposing, if she had broken in in his 20s instead of 30s and worked for Leroy McGurk against Danny Hodge in the Oklahoma Territory in the mid-60s, who else did they send over there when he first started? Jack Briscoe. Yeah. You had had an NCAA champion, a former Olympic silver medalist, and the goddamn Iranian national champion in the same territory. Cause, and that and McGurk would have loved that because it's lighter weight guys and shooters. And also because Iran wasn't the enemy they would become in 1979, you can have them both, you can make it a bigger story for the sports section than just the heel Iranian. Yeah. It's a sports story now because you have two known collegiate athletes or amateur athletes competing, even though it's professional. And... Uh... Again, that was right down McGurk's alley. That's exact. So it would have been interesting if somehow it had come to pass that he started out of his college age years instead of mid thirties. And you first but, saw him when he came to Memphis in '83, or you saw him before that as the Iron Sheik? No, I had seen him a couple of times when Crockett came to Cincinnati. I'd never met him. Um, obviously, we had seen. You know, the pictures in the magazines of either Hussein Arab or the great Hussein, as we mentioned and when we talked about his biography, uh, there was uh, programs from Texas where I think his first place he did the gimmick. And the pictures of him look nothing like 
the Ali Vaziri you had seen a few years earlier. He was much heavier and bald-headed. So at the time, no internet, and I'm just barely starting to get smart. In those days, when somebody would completely change their look like that and go someplace else under another name, you'd look and go, who the fuck is that? You would... Your mind would register that they should have seemed like they should have been somewhere before, but you've never heard of them in the magazines or cinema, whatever. And then he had a run in the WWF, but again, that was before Cable. But then with the Carolinas, that was about the time that uh, home video came in. And as well, Crockett had opened up Cincinnati, and I used to go up there and watch some of the live events before I got into business and had to be traveling the other direction. And again, you know, he would, boy, he moved, he moved and bumped and fucking threw people around and etc. But that was again, I, w I was in the bleachers in Cincinnati when he came to Memphis is when not only I got the chance to meet him and we talked about the car trip he took with me and my mom and some of the other shit and everybody knows the fuck the commissioner story, but you got a chance to see him up close and he, you know, as everybody's talked about, loved being a heel and loved getting the heat and wasn't scared of anybody, you know, in the uh, way of doing that, if what was going to come. And sometimes when it, it was actually in Louisville, it was the Sheik, the Iron Sheik that had a match with Lawler. And the stipulation was that if Lawler won, he'd get five minutes with Jimmy Hart and that's where Lawler did win, but it was a disqualification because Sheik had done something, hit him with something, done something, where he was pretty much laying there almost unconscious, just selling. And so Hart says, okay, well, now he gets the five minutes because he's the winner, and drops an elbow and covers Lawler and pins him. One, two, three. Oh, my God, the people were mad. And fucking Sheik is come in, Jimmy. And he grabbed a, he picked Jimmy up and fucking carried him through the people. They had cops, but the, you know, cops had their hands full, but she carried Jimmy through the people so they wouldn't kill him or stab him or beat him up or whatever. He, just, he didn't give a shit. Speaking of not giving a shit, that's become kind of his online persona. What do you think happens to his Twitter account and everything now? Do you think he lives on in the afterlife? Well, I hope... Fuck it, the kingdom of heaven, whatever he would say on there. I don't yeah, know. Well, here's the thing. Has he actually been physically doing that, or is it somebody that handles that for him at this point? Cause sort of like a... Right, that's what it is. You know, so... I've, I think they've got the flavor of the Sheik, but, well, would it be in bad taste if you tried to still talk like the Sheik, but you know Sheiky is gone? I guess so. Maybe it should become more of a, you know, a tribute to greatest moments of rather than trying to sound first person or imitating the style or whatever. No one in wrestling would ever do bad taste. I would never think of it. Well, no, but that. see, the secret about wrestling is doing bad taste in good taste. I've said that many times. Anyway, hopefully we've done some bad taste in good taste here. And we're sorry to hear about the Iron mm. Sheik, obviously... Kosrao Vaziri, one of the, you know, iconic. They throw that, the legend's not an exclusive enough club anymore. Everybody's a goddamn legend these days. I guess now it has to be icon. So he's one of the iconic names in all of professional wrestling. 
That's right. And when you think about big things that happened, he was the guy who dropped the belt to Hogan, something that was replayed at the beginning of their show for a few years every week to the tune of Thriller. I don't think they paid any rights for that. <laughs> but that was something everyone saw. He was on, I believe, the first Saturday night's main event and some of those big ones that were getting those giant numbers on network TV. He yep. was in the tag team title match. Him and Nikolai beat Wyndham and Rotunda at WrestleMania 1. He was in a Cindy Lauper video for uh, the Goonies song. Uh, the Goonies are good enough, which is a great song. Yeah. So, I mean, he was... And he was on the cartoon, and his figure was out there. So, you know, despite the different things that happened, and he would end up working for World Class briefly and going to the NWA and then going home and being paid to work for the NWA, for a period of time there, he's one of the most recognizable names and faces and personalities around wrestling ever. Yeah. And, and see, remember again when George Scott brought him in for that WCW thing, he, you know, he... At that point in 1989, he was almost 50. And like, you know, George Scott's remembering the Iron Sheik that he had in 19, what was it, 79, 80, not 1989, 90. And, you know, it just, it didn't work, but that was George Scott's fault. It wasn't Sheik's fault for taking the money or for taking the renewal because they forgot to fucking send him his notice. So, anyhow... Um, we hate to hear that again, but you know, it, 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 it's, it seems like time is passing quicker. People are 80 years old. We turn around. We don't even realize it till it happens. It is pretty crazy. How old's Keith I'm, Richards? In, in what cockroach years? I don't know. I don't see if, if, if the difference that I 79. feel between, well, he wasn't even as old as the iron sheik, son of a bitch. The difference I feel between 41 and 61, I don't know what 81 would feel like. I have a idea I may know, and again, our <laughs> thoughts and prayers to the uh, family of the Iron Sheik and the friends of the Iron Sheik.
And uh, later on on this episode of the Main Event Talk podcast, uh, there is one little piece of business that we got to take care of as far as the Iron Sheet goes. And I wanted to um, bring this up. I may bring this up at the conclusion of this episode. I wanted to bring up, because um, they talked about a lot of things uh, about the Iron Sheik and everything, I wanted to talk about the WWE Hall of Fame class of 2005 where he was in it. Now, at that time, just to kind of give you guys an idea, so um, this was pretty much the era in 2005 where you had Hogan and Roddy Piper, Mr. Wonderful, um, and of course, uh, Jimmy Hart and others that were inducted into the WWE Hall of Fame. And Hogan was the big star, which was tremendous at the time. But the Iron Sheik, who was inducted at that particular year, had a very interesting Hall of Fame speech, which I thought was, it was not only memorable, but it was one of the most, uh, like, it was funny, it was incredible, it was just so good to listen to and everything. So I'm going to save that for the conclusion of this episode of the Main Event Talk podcast, so you'll like how that goes at everything. Okay, now, <clears throat> we've talked a little bit of wrestling and uh, we mentioned this last week on the Main Event Talk podcast, and we're going to talk about it right here on the Main Event Talk podcast. The Crockett Cup, and by God, it was long, and oh, dear God. There were a lot of, um, okay, so it was a two-night event, and I'm reading this here correctly, and watch this, dude. You, you, are you ready for this? You ready for this? Luckily, I, I saw some of it. But I didn't see all of it. Now, as far as the countdown show goes, I saw what I needed to see on night one and night two. I didn't see night one because I had things I had to do at the time. And then around, I think it was the following day, I did see some of the Crockett Cup. And then something happened. It got cut off and it was a bunch of shit. Don't want to get into detail about it. Let's just say that I'm very, very mad that I didn't get a chance to see Camille take on, uh, who, who was it? Um, Camille took on, who the fuck did she took on? Uh, Nat- uh, Natalia Markovich. I wanted to see that matchup so badly. And yes, she is over 700 days as champion. Yes, 700 days as champion. Camille, she is the biggest reason why the NWA exists in the first place. That's just my personal opinion on it. Now, let me see if we can... Now, I don't want to get into all of these matches here. Because these are all these are all quarterfinal matches. But I want to see... Let's see which match is not... Uh, Crockett Cup, Crockett Cup, Crockett Cup. Four-way... Oh, wait a minute. Hold on. Uh, let's see. To play, determine... determine no, no, no. That's... More the Crockett Cup. Everything is on the Crockett Cup right now. I will deliver the winners to you guys and everything. Let's see. Uh, singles match winner to advance. Uh, let's see. Um, winner advances to the Subway Scramble match on night two. Uh, that. Hmm. <laughs> Boy, that's. I'm seeing all of these Crockett Cup matches. I really don't want. I really don't want to talk. Oh, I, as much as I want to talk about the Crockett Cup, it may take me forever to get through the entire list of who won, who lost, who came in, who did not come in, and everything else like that. Right. So there were a total. This is this is the total amount, and I swear to God, this is the fucking truth. 
a total of 20, count them, 20, count them, 20 fucking matches on the Crockett Cup. And I think maybe four of them were probably just singles matches to advance to night two or something like that, right? So anyways, let's see if we can, uh, there were, oh God, there were 15 matches. Okay, so let's see. Now, um, I would give you the list of people that were on this Crockett Cup. I know one of them, one of them is the NWA World Heavyweight Champion, Tyrus, and his tag team partner, Chris Adonis, right? The masterpiece himself. So, well, they did win, thank God. And if they would have won, I swear to God, people would have a conniption fit. I would have probably exploded if they would have won, you know, because it's just absolutely ridiculous. And especially when I've said this before, and I'll say it again, nobody is looking at Tyrus right now as world champion. They're they're looking at more of Camille. As a matter of fact, um, let me see if um, the women's world championship match at night two... The women's world championship match at night two uh, was the um, was the highlight of the night. As a matter of fact, it wasn't the main event, from what I understand, but it was second to it. So that matchup lasted twelve minutes and fifty four seconds. I would have loved to have seen that match to find out exactly, you know, how it went down. Camille still still the biggest reason why people watch the NWA, and it's not because she's attractive and hot. She is the reason that people watch the NWA because of her matches because of how long she's been the champion she's defended her championship more than Roman Reigns I swear to fuck God that's the truth she's that good and when the streak comes to an end I hope one day she comes to the WWE I really do she she deserves to be in it and she needs to be like that next level woman to be in the level of a Charlotte Flair or Becky Lynch or Rhea Ripley Bianca Belair you know, anyone in that particular nature, you know, just there. But if she's fine where she's at, that's all cool. Okay. Um, let's see. Here are the winners of the Crockett Cup. The winners were Mike Knox. Mike Knox and Trevor Murdoch. And they defeated the Blunt Force. Of Carnage and Damage? Who the fuck are they? <laughs> but nonetheless, uh, Trevor Murdoch and uh, and Knox win the Crockett Cup, the 2023 Crockett, World Crockett Cup. So they now have a chance to, uh, I guess, in the future, we'll be able to have a future tag team title shot somewhere down the road. So it's going to be good for them. So congratulations go out to them in this matchup. So let me see. There were a couple of matches that I see here. Um, a seven-way scramble to determine the number one contender. Uh, let's see. The uh, the contender for the NWA World Junior Heavyweight Championship. The, the winner of the matchup was actually Colby Carino, who was in WWE for a while, I believe. And until, I, I guess he must have come back or something like that. And defeated, uh, let's see, Flip Gordon, Eric Jackson, 
uh, Joe Alonzo, Gags the Gimp, Jaron Fuddle, and PJ Hawk. Uh, AC3 defeated Tom Latimer to retain his North, uh, his North, no, I'm sorry, his NWA National Heavyweight Championship. And here's the thing, um, and I believe, if I'm not mistaken, um, Tom Latimer is the world television champion, if I'm not mistaken. So, that's interesting right there. I didn't see that. So, there's a couple of uh, quarterfinal matches here. A singles match for the NWA Women's World Championship, uh, a Women's World Television Championship. Uh, Ruthie J defeated Kinsey Page via disqualification. Therefore, Kinsey Page is still the champion. All right, so that's one way out the window. Okay, uh, let's see. Tag team match for the NWA Women's World Tag Team Championships. M95 defeated, uh, I believe it's Angelina Love and Max Steen Paler. Oh, wow, that's, that's something right there. That took place in the countdown show. Both matches took place in the countdown show, as a matter of fact. For night two. Uh, let's see. Um, Thrill Billy Silas Mason defeated Dan Mafe in a singles match. Okay. Uh, let's see. A gauntlet match for the NWA United States Tag Team Championships. The country gentlemen, I believe, retained their titles and defeated. Let's see. Won by. Lasting, eliminating Savages, which was the very last team on there. Okay, so that went down. Now, those were, you know, I, I would love to give you all the matches that took place at the Crockett Cup and everything, but I'm not going to, okay? I'm leaving that alone in every way possible. So, um, you can tell that this was, this Crockett Cup was pretty, it was a pretty good event for what it was. Um, I'm just glad that Tyrus didn't win. Uh, oh, there was also there was also something else that um, that I saw. There was a tag match that happened, and I believe Scion was in it and lost, and was attacked by some masked man who apparently was wearing Scion's mask. So the following night, the ma- and it says here, the myste- the mask mystery man defeated Scion with Austin Idol in a technical knockout. So something, I, I, it was, un, it says an unsanctioned match. So, <laughs> a lot of confusing stuff happening in the NWA at this point in time right now. So, we don't know when the next NWA event is going to be. It'll probably be, I think I heard in July, I believe. So, unless something else changes, we'll have to find out uh, very, very soon to see where we're at as far as the NWA goes. So, that's the Crockett Cup for you. So big congratulations go out to uh, Trevor Murdoch and Knox for becoming the winners of the 2023 Crockett Cup. And this will ultimately mean that they will probably have a shot at the La Rebellion's NWA World Tag Team Championships somewhere down the, ro- somewhere down the road. We don't know what's going to happen. We don't know how and everything else like that. But we will see how all this rolls out. Tyrus... I don't know who his next title defense is. Quite frankly, I don't care, okay? I just want to see somebody else other than him 
be the champion. Someone that's more worthy, someone that will make me watch the NWA a whole lot more, and someone that will make me say, yes, that's the guy, that's the champion, that's the one you want, that over there, get rid of him, who cares, he sucks anyway. And speaking of something to watch in the NWA, big congratulations to Camille for retaining her championship against Natalia Markovovich. And uh, it was a great match for what it was. I saw some of it. There were some highlights that I saw on YouTube. And I think uh, Natalia did extremely well for herself. And I'm hoping one day, I'm hoping one day that Natalia will be able to become the next women's champion somewhere down the road if Camille is no longer the champion. And this is the thing. The NWA women's division is pretty good for what it is. There are certain women that deserve to be in the NWA at this point in time right now. And there are certain others that need work, need time, and need fixing. You know, that's kind of how it is with me in every way possible. But we shall see how all this goes. So, big congratulations to Camille for holding on to the title. She's well over 700 days as champion. And my gosh, she's... She, like I said, she is the biggest reason why people watch the NWA. So, guys, get a chance to check out NWA Power on Tuesdays. I believe you can check it out for free on YouTube. And you can also see it on Fight TV as well. You can also check out uh, NWA's USA as it happens on Saturday. It's a 30-minute show. It happens right around, I would say, uh... Somewhere between 10.30 and 11 o'clock, 10.05 Eastern, if I'm not mistaken. So get a chance to check it out as early as you can. NWA USA on YouTube and, of course, NWA Power on Tuesdays. Check it out while you can. On Saturday, June 17th, the debut of AEW Collision in Chicago's United Center. And Tony Khan has an announcement about the main events. It's great to be here tonight in Colorado Springs. We have a lot of exciting things happening in AEW. It's such an exciting time as we approach Forbidden Door on pay-per-view June 25th, live in Toronto. And before that, we launch a new series. AEW Collision starts June 17th, every Saturday night, 8 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Central on TNT. I'm here tonight to talk about the first ever main event live at the United Center, June 17th. In the main event of the first ever AEW Collision, Switchblade Jay White, Juice Robinson, and Samoa Joe will take on the AEW World Tag Team Champions, FTR, and CM Punk. Television on TNT Talks. I'm coming in as big 
Brad, that's a big sixer. I'm telling you about it. It's going to be massive on collision. Six of the greatest athletes ever in AEW and the world will collide at collision at the United Center. And remember, Whoa. you still have a chance to join us live in Chicago, AEWTIX.com. But if you can't be there, tune in to Collision Saturday, June 17th, 8 p.m. Eastern on TNT. It is going to be massive, guys. Yeah, wait. Okay, you just heard the announcement right there from Tony Khan, and it's another announcement, and it just seems like it's almost like every week there's got to be an announcement of some kind that have to involve Collision. First, the new show happened, which was the first thing that we talked about. The second announcement, which was the location, Chicago, Illinois. The third, the announcement of the return of CM Punk. And now the fourth one is now featuring a six-man tag, which will have Jay White, Juice Robinson, and Samoa Joe to take on FTR and CM Punk, which is very, very interesting to say the very least, and I'm looking forward to checking that out as it happens live on Saturday, June the 17th. Main event's looking forward to checking that out and everything. Uh, I know that there's several things that are going to happen on June 17th uh, besides Collision, which uh, we will probably discuss when we have the opportunity. Now, there is another thing that we got to discuss right now, and that is the promo exchange that happened between MJF and... Adam Cole. Now, the main event has got the exclusive for you. You'll get a chance to listen to that entire promo exchange between Adam Cole and MJF. So with that being said, let's get right into what happened this past Wednesday night on Dynamite. Adam Cole, MJF, it was a promo exchange like nothing I've ever heard before. Hope you enjoy it, guys.
mean, what are we doing here?
involved. They're saying this company is simply, they're not showcasing you properly. And to you people I say, you don't have a who what you're talking about. This company has done everything in its power to make you cool. The lights, the music, the cool t-shirts, the big match opportunities, the girl, your own reality show. You know what they do to make MJF cool? You know 
work, uh, the matches that I've had, the interviews that I've done, the world championship reigns that I've had. Max, get real. You can't touch me. Go! 
Well, that promo exchange between those two leads them to a match that's going to happen uh, on Dynamite this coming Wednesday. Uh, I I think that's a bit too soon. I, I, I'm not saying that, well, you know, I, I kind of want to see just a little bit more before we get to the actual match itself. But I believe it's a non-title match or something like that. It doesn't have to be a a contender's match. Just let it be a one-on-one match. Don't call it a contender's match. Don't call it a championship eliminator and all that stuff. Just call it a contender's. Just just call it a match. Just call it MJF taking on um, MJF taking on Adam Cole. It's a non-title match. You know, just make it interesting to that point. There's really no need to do all that stuff and everything. So it's stupid for what it is. But yeah, I can't wait to see how this matchup is going to turn out between Adam Cole and MJF. Uh, a lot of stuff is going to be happening with AEW in the next couple of weeks. Um, we're getting closer and closer to AEW's collision, which we're looking forward to seeing the return of CM Punk. We're going to see how all that turns out and everything. We're going to see how both shows, Dynamite and um, Dynamite and collision are going to do when June 17th starts. I personally feel that June June 17th may be a better show, or Collision may be a better show than Dynamite. I mean, I'm not saying it's going to happen la- that way, but with the way things have been and the way the fans have been reacting to Dynamite in the past few weeks, we know it's going to end up being a better show regardless, you know? So, the ratings, I think, for Dynamite came out to like... Um, what was it? Uh, I believe it was somewhere around. We're at almost nine hundred and uh, nine hundred and fifty thousand viewers, I believe, if I remember that correctly. Um, because it was a show after after um, what you call it, uh, w- one week after the Double or Nothing event that took place a couple of weeks ago, right? So this is sort of an aftermath, and the new challenger coming along will be Adam Cole. So uh, the promo exchanges, I mean, this would, you know, will be incredible. Like I said, I kind of wish that the matchup would take place at a pay-per-view or something in that particular nature, you know, to happen. But we'll see what happens, you know, on Dynamite. We'll see what happens with Collision. We'll see how all that turns out in the next few weeks as we come along. So we're entering June right now, and like I said, June's going to be about Collision. It's going to be about, uh, let's see what else, Dynamite, Raw, of course, and everything. Um, I believe there's uh, there's supposed to be... Oh, yes, yes, and there's also uh, a couple of things that we need to uh, talk about here on this episode of the Main Event Talk Podcast while I'm thinking about these events that are happening with AEW. We know that two matches are going to take place over... At the Forbidden Door event, which will happen on June 25th. Now, the two matches are for the IWGP United States Championship. Kenny Omega is going to be defending his championship against Will Ospreay. And this is going to be a fantastic match to check out because, you know, 
It's two individuals that have been in Japan. One that's currently AEW and another that has been in AEW a few times before, but you mostly see him in New Japan. This will be interesting to check out. I can't wait. Also, another matchup, and I think this is sort of a dream match in many ways possible, and I'm certainly looking forward to seeing this matchup take place. Brian Danielson to go one-on-one -on -one against Okada, which is going to be like... Oh my God! I, you know, and I'm I like Okada. You know, there are certain superstars in New Japan Pro Wrestling that I like, right? And Okada is one of them, right? So I cannot wait to see this matchup between Okada and Daniel uh, Brian Danielson at the Forbidden Door event. I'm curious about how all this will turn out. How all this will happen at Forbidden Door. Uh, there's been talk about Kenta taking on CM Punk at Forbidden Door, which I kind of hope that happens, but it, at this point, it's kind of up in the air. We also heard the IWGP Tag Team Champions. I don't know who they are. I, I think it was Ozzy Open, I think. I think it still is. I don't know. And they were supposed to take on FTR, but we don't know how that exchange is going to go down. We don't know exactly, you know, who from New Japan will take on anybody from AEW. And this is already starting to become a New Japan versus AEW event, which it should be because, I'll be honest, last year's uh, Forbidden Door was not exactly as good as you would think it would be. Because you had on, you know, you basically had, when you think about this, there were a few AEW versus New Japan matches that happened. And then there were New Japan stars that teamed up with stars from AEW, taking on AEW stars teaming with New Japan stars. It's kind of like, okay, this is not really AEW versus, you know, New Japan. I kind of, you know, want to see something like that instead of the other way around. But we'll see how this goes. Of course, uh, Forbidden Door is a production of both AEW and New Japan Pro Wrestling to take place over in Toronto, Ontario, Canada, live on Sunday, June the 25th. The main event's going to be looking forward to checking out that event and everything. Uh, let's see. I think there's going to be... I think this month is nothing... It's going to be nothing but... Uh, AEW and uh, other events in that particular nature because we know that Money in the Bank is supposed to take place in July, which will be the first day of July on Saturday, uh, July 1st. Uh, I'm trying to, I'm just, you know, I'm just trying to figure out exactly what other matches or what other events are going to be happening in June because let's see, Slammiversary is supposed to happen in July, Money in the Bank is supposed to happen in July. Of course, August is SummerSlam, so that's that's one one way to look at it. AEW's uh, Forbidden Door or AEW New Japan's Forbidden Door is supposed to happen in June. I believe there's a New Japan event that's going to happen. I think there was two of them or three of them that happened uh, just this past week. We already had um, Double or Nothing or not, not Double or Nothing, I'm sorry, uh, against All Odds that happened just last week. So there's going to be there's going to be a lot of events happening in June, which uh, the main event talk will be covering and everything else like that. So um, hopefully until then, we'll just have to stick with what we know right now and everything. If any new matches come for Forbidden Door, you will hear about it right here on the main event talk podcast. I'm certainly looking forward to that. 
So, guys, um, I think that's all we can cover at this point in time right now. So that's going to do for this edition of this episode of the Main Event Talk podcast. We hope you have enjoyed it. And as always, follow the Main Event on Twitter at twitter.com slash at Main Event Player. You can also follow me on Instagram at instagram.com slash at Main Event Player 2. And if you want a friend request me, proceed at your own fucking risk. Thank you for listening, and I will see you next week on another great episode of the Main Event Talk podcast. Why? Because I can, and I want to. Any questions? Enough said. Now, before we go ahead and go, I mentioned earlier about um, the Hall of Fame speech that happened with um, with the Iron Sheik. And uh, as a tribute to him, I wanted you guys to listen to the entire uh, Hall of Fame um, that took place with the Iron Sheik. In 2005. And there was also this one little, this one last little thing that Bobby the Brain Heenan said at the very end of the, uh, of the deal and everything. And, and trust me, if you've seen that Hall of Fame speech that, uh, the Iron Sheik did, it was not only classic, but it's also beautiful. It was also funny to listen to in every way possible. So, uh, as a tribute to the Iron Sheik, that's what I think of you. You know, God bless you. Iron Sheik, thank you for everything you've done in the world of professional wrestling, and we will all always remember you for who you are. You were truly an icon. You're truly one of the greatest superstars of all time. Thank you, Iron Sheik, and we'll see you. We will see you very, you know, somewhere down the road. I guarantee you that. Rest in peace, Iron Sheik. of Minnesota and I was an assistant coach for Olympic Olympic coach Mr. Allen Rice and I went to the Olympic Munich Germany 1972 and I was the first Iranian I come to the University of the San Diego 1971 and a 180 pound I come AAU champion. That means amateur athletic union. Yeah. Thank you. Pleasure. Pleasure for me to again since 1971, Minnesota Wrestling Club and my greatest wrestler, Brad Rigans, Dan Chandler, and also the greatest one from Waterloo, Iowa, Dan Gable. And everybody know about Dan Gable. Dan Gable was a lot. 
Kurt Anger, the real 190 pounds, that time 1972, Dan and Kurt Anger, they know new generation Kurt Anger, but the old generation Husra Vaziri, Aron Sheik, and Dan If you don't know about 190-pound Dan Gable from Ottawa, you can ask Mr. Kurt Angel. He tell you who is Dan Gable. Yeah. Tell him. Yes. So my point is, I was Minnesota Wrestling Club five times AAU, and after that. Mr. Ghania, give me a job. I used to drive the truck, put on the ring, pick up the ring, yeah. And I was referee. I pay my due. That's because I want to say I was 184, but I was so much fall in love with the wrestling from put on the ring, pick up the ring, 24 hours in the Midwest. I drive from Minneapolis to Milwaukee, Chicago. I made it to the Hollywood.
thanks again to the WWE to invite me to the California and God bless all my wrestling fans and have a good day. Yeah.